Praise the Lord. What a good God. Amen. We have, uh, we have over the last several weeks been talking about living the abundant life. It's actually kind of twofold. And uh, let's, in fact, let's do a, the key verse here because we're going to talk some more about it today. Um, John 10 and 10, verse 10 says this, A thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. How many knows what a thief does? Ah, comes to take life. That's what he does. But I've come, Jesus said, I've come. This is Jesus now talking. I've come, see, that they may have life. So in other words, the enemy's trying to take life, but I've come that you might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Amen. Which means overflow, praise God. How many like life with an overflow? Come on now. Come on now. Praise God. Uh, let's give me a couple references real quick. We'll kind of move through some of this fairly quick, uh, Kathy. Uh, this is uh, the passion one. It says, a thief has only one thing in mind. Hmm. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until it overflows. Now, the thief has only one thing in mind. Now, what we've been talking about, like I said, today, uh, this week, uh, again, we're just going to kind of add to it some more. But there's two key things about this series. One is the fact that there is a life that's been offered to you, an abundant life. Amen. The other thing is there's a thief trying to take it. So there's two kind of lives you can li live. You can live the abundant life or you can live just this everyday life that the world lives where the enemy is constantly taking and stealing. Which life do you want? I want the abundant life. Amen. I want the abundant life. Now, the thing with this series, the reason this is so necessary that I think we have to talk about these things is you have to understand that we do have a thief. I mean, most of the time when you hear people talk, and I'm talking about Christians now. I'm not talking about the world. Uh, Christians, they start talking about things that are going on in their life, things they're dealing with, pressures and things that are going on. Uh, you know, this is happening at work. This is happening at home. This is going on with our kids. This is going on in our health. And they'll bring up things, and it's like they never, ever mention the one that's doing all the damage. They might look at themselves and say, you know, it's my problem, or they might say it's my neighbor's problem. You know, they might point their finger at the preacher and say it's his problem. Uh, they might point at God and say it's his problem. And they forget that there's a thief. And so he's so good, you know, he's a manipulator, he's a deceiver. Um, we've uh, spent one, uh, one of the services, just you know, quite a bit of it anyway, and talking about the different things that, uh, that he's referred to, talking about the enemy and how he's referred to. He's referred to as a thief, we see in this text, a taker of life, an advers adversary, pardon me, a devourer, an oppressor, amen. How many know that if there's oppression going on, how many know it ain't God? Jesus made it clear. He said he, he came, right, to heal all those who were oppressed by the devil. So Jesus is the healer, and the enemy is the oppressor. But that gets mixed up a lot. I said that gets mixed up a lot. Pretty soon God gets, uh, you know, the blame for some of that mess. Uh, the Word says that the enemy is the father of lies. You know, when the enemy's talking, in fact, I've had people say, you know, the devil keeps telling me this, and you think, you should start laughing. Because he's a liar. So if the devil's telling you it can't be done, or he's going to do this, or he's going to do this, you should just start laughing and think, Woo! You're a liar, devil. 
He's a father of lies. The word says he's a deceiver. The word says even sometimes he might even try to come as an angel of light to deceive and manipulate, but he isn't. No angel of light. Come on. The word says he's a blinder. He tries to blind the eyes of people to keep the good news, the gospel message uh, from, from penetrating their mind. He says, the word says he's a tempter, tempted in the garden. He also tempted Jesus. We see that, uh, examples of that. We see he's an accuser of the brethren. He's still out accusing people. Come on now. He accuses you to me and me to you. He does it all the time. He's pretty good at it. Now, the word is real clear that we have an enemy. Now, we don't fear our enemy because we got authority over that, that sucker. Jesus made it real clear. He says, I've gained back all the authority. I now have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And the word says he turned and he gave us those keys. He said, I'm going to give you keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He said, all authority has been given unto me, both in heaven and on earth. Amen. Now you go. And he said, you take it in my name. Cast out devils. Amen. And he goes on, man, laying hands on the sick and speaking with new tongues. And you go in my name. And the word name is onama, which means authority. In other words, I've taken the authority back, and now I'm giving you authority. You go in my authority and do what you're called to do. Amen. The same things I taught, uh, he, of course, talking to the 12, he said, the same things I taught you, you go teach them to do the same thing. Amen. And this is how it works. And the problem that we have is people forget we have an enemy. So they sit here and they strain and they struggle and they strive to try to make life good. And the whole time it's been offered to you, all it is, you got somebody behind the scenes stealing. You got to take authority over that, that feller. Are you still with me? Now, um, I wanted to do this before we get into what we have today. Um, put the uh, New Living Translation, if you would, Kathy. Let's see, what's it, how is that one worded? The thief's purpose. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose, Jesus said, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, Jesus uh, made it clear in 1 John, uh, it says this, that uh, actually John talking with, uh, about Jesus. He said that the, uh, Jesus, he said his purpose was, amen, to destroy the works of the devil. That's pretty good, right? Destroy the works. Now, so what does that mean? Well, the definition for the word life back in John 10, 10, is the Greek word zoe, which means absolute life. Everybody say absolute life. Now, that's not just normal everyday living, but zoe life is absolute life. Paul referred to it as the life of God. Amen. Jesus called it the abundant life. Amen. Zoe life, which means pure life. Now, what does that mean? Well, pure life, uh, like you would say, um, is there like a phrase that they use, um, it says absolute zero, is that correct? And what that means is it's absent of something. It's absent of heat. Absolute zero. Is that right? Absolute cold. Am I saying it right? Okay, I should have skipped all that. Anyway, the point is absolute life is absent of some things. Okay, when absolute life is manifesting, it's absent of things. What's it absent of? Well, it's absent of death, for one thing. Absolute life is absent of death. How many know when you know Jesus, you're never going to experience death? That was weak. 
Listen, to be absent from this body means to be present with the Lord. One day you just check on out of here. Leave this old body like an old suit and throw it on the ground. Say, ta-ta, I'm gone. Right? And you go right on to be walking to the presence of the Lord. Come on, somebody. You ain't even going to know what happened. The next thing you know, you, all of a sudden the atmosphere changed. All of a sudden the environment changed. Come on, somebody. All of a sudden, you know, what you're seeing just shifted and changed. Come on. Amen. Amen. So uh, absolute life is, is, are, are, yeah, is absent of death. It's absent of darkness. All right. And it's also absent of the curse. So when we're talking about life, Zoe life, and the enemy comes in there to mess with you, he's trying to bring those kind of things in. Death, darkness, curse. That's what he tries to do, to mess up, with your, mess up your day. Are you with me? Now, Jesus paid a price for all those things. Now, Kathy, I'm not sure how I, what order I gave them to you, but give me that reference uh, would be um, uh, what I give you. Let's see here. Um, trying to think how I gave them to you. Let's do uh, Hebrews 2. Let's do that one real quick. Did I give you one of Hebrews 2? 14 and 16. There it is. Now, a reference we used a few weeks ago, but I just want to bring something to your attention. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, talking about Jesus, that through death he might, in other words, he's a great substitute, through death he might destroy him who, what, had, everybody say had, had the power of death. Now, death's still out there. But he destroyed him who had the power of death. That is, just in case you didn't know who he's talking about, he said, the devil. Now, verse 15, why is this so important? Well, to release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, you're no longer, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to fear death anymore. You don't fear death itself, right? You don't have to. Now, you've been delivered from the power of death. Let's try another one. Uh, Colossians 1. Put Colossians 1. He has past tense. Everybody say past tense. Now we're trying to, we're going somewhere with this. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. He has delivered, past tense, delivered us from the power of darkness. I don't think you're hearing me. All right, let's go to Galatians 3. Let's try a different one. Let's see if this one will work. All right. Christ has, past tense, redeemed us from the curse of the law. Well, how did he do that? Well, by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on tree. Did he not do that? So he took upon himself the curse so he could deliver you, and this word he uses, redeem you from the curse. Well, why? Why? Well, verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentile, talking about you and me, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, just some references. But I thought, you know, when you start looking at the definition of Zoe life, it's absent of all those things. Why is it absent? Why can he say that I'm offering you Zoe life. I've come that you might have life and life more abundant because I have paid the price. So you don't have to experience death 
You don't have to experience darkness. You don't have to experience the curse. Now, a price has been paid for that. I'll try this side. A price has been paid for those things. A price has been paid for those things. See, a price has been paid. But see, the enemy is a thief. So he comes in there, he slithers in there, and if somehow or another we give place to him, as we found out in Ephesians 4, if you give him, you give him a little bit of ground, you give him a foothold, he slithers in there, and through deception, through lies, through manipulation, through accusation, through all the things that he's known for, he slithers in there like the snake that he is. Revelations calls him that. Come on. Genesis you know, 3 shows him that, that he is. Come on. He's like a snake. He slithers in there and somehow manipulates and deceives and seduces you into thinking that you can accept the lower life and it's okay. Get you convinced to just say, be happy with what you got. And just, you know, someday when you get to the sweet by and by in the sky, it'll all be better. That's the deception. Somebody says, well, you know, you should be happy. You should be happy. And you should learn to be thankful for everything that comes your way. But you should also understand there's a thief trying to take everything that's owed you. Everything that's been, a price has been paid for you to have, the thief sneaks in and tries to take it. And pretty soon you're believing the fact that you're just going to have to accept the way life is. And here we are, we have believers living no different than the world. Because we're convinced that's all we can have. And it's deception. It's a deception. So what happens is we have to resist our enemy. Somebody say resist. You have to resist your enemy, the thief. When he comes to take, you don't just go, oh, not fair. You don't go, oh, God. God, listen, he's already paid a price. So he's now placed in your hand authority, amen, for you to take care of it. Well, that's an awful big task. Not really. It ain't hard to go, shut up, devil. It ain't hard to say, I bind you, you lying sucker. Get out of here in Jesus' name. You unclean spirit, I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. Get on out of here. Now, that took, what, 13 seconds. But what happens is we get seduced into thinking that we don't have that kind of authority or that kind of power, even though you have it. So what happens is we might try to, you know, you know, boot him out one door, but we leave all the other doors open, and he slides back in. You let him in the car. He's driving within a few minutes. You let him in the house. He owns the master now. That's how he works, because he's, that's his purpose. Now, so what we've been talking about, first and foremost, is bringing our attention uh, to the fact that we have an enemy. 
But secondly, now we have to do something about it. We have to resist our enemy. Awful week for a Holy Ghost house. We have to resist our enemy. Now, if somebody comes knocking at your door and says, Hi, uh, I'm going to come take everything you got. Excuse me? First, you're going to, like, what? What? I, I, I'm here to take everything you got. No, 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 you're not. No, really, I'm going to take everything you got. <laughs> you didn't hear me, did you? No, you're not. Uh, get out of my way because I'm coming in. Oh, you didn't. <laughs> now, right? I mean, if you're anything worth your salt, you ain't going to let some thief just walk in and, and then just show him where all the valuables are and say, here, take this, take that, take this. Just say, it must be my lot in life. Maybe God's trying to teach me something. Listen, you wouldn't do that in the natural, so why do we do it in the spiritual? Listen, there's all kinds of... Uh, Facilities out there that have what they call uh, in the front gate security. Right? Some of them are as far as they have metal detectors. And the guys standing behind them are packing. Okay? Now, if somebody gets in there that shouldn't be in there, they don't all go, oh. How come God let this guy in? No, they take the guy by the ear. They walk him on out the door. Come on. And then they stop on the way back in and look at security and say, what are you doing? Your job is to keep them out. Now, is there anything wrong with that? Nothing wrong. See, the, uh, the, right? So the blame is going to go on the security because it was their job to keep that person out. Now, we don't have any problem about that in the natural. We'll go, well, yeah, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Well, it's the same thing. You've been now given authority. You're now security. And hopefully you're packing. Well, you should have at least the sword of the Spirit. I mean, that's about as packing as it gets. I mean, that's come on now. And so you have the sword of the Spirit, which is one of the things we touched on last week. And, and in fact, we're going go, to go there here in a minute again. But we talked about some things that we use, or, or maybe I put it this like we used before, keys of resistance. One of those, of course, is just draw near to God. The word says submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. It starts first with submission to God. Move toward God, hear from God, follow God. God will lead you in how to, how to resist. Pretty key, right? We talked about uh, the word brings out that we're to resist him steadfast in the faith, the word says in 1 Peter. But then it says how you do it. It says be sober and watchful or vigilant, amen, 
Hallelujah. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's when you go, I'm security here. You may not. You can't get through here. You're not, you're not coming in this place. Well, it says, be sober and vigilant. The word sober means uh, under the influence of nothing else. Just like natural, you know. Somebody says, hey, Joe, you, Tom, you, you sober? Yeah, I'm sober. So it means I'm not under the influence of anything, right? Same thing spiritually. You have to be sober. Now, somebody said, well, that just seems weird. I mean, you're talking about alcohol? You're talking about drugs? What are you, what are you talking about? How about fear? How about worry? How about anxiety? Well, there's an answer for that. Because verse 7 in that same text says this, casting all your care on him for he cares for you. And all that means is cast on him, amen, the pressure, the mental torment that you're dealing with. Why is that so important when we're resisting? Because if you're bound by the fear, fear has you. And you fear then begins to dictate your decisions. Are you hearing me? So I started talking, I use that as a key to me. So first and foremost, I submit, I, I submit myself to God, I move toward God, and then any anxiety, any fear, any worry, any care, I start casting that on Him. I make a decision, I ain't going to let that dictate my decisions. I'm not going to let that control me. Amen. I'm going to follow God here. Amen. I'm going to deal with this thing, whatever it is, and however way He tells me to do it. Right? We talked about the sword of the Spirit being the Word of God. You ain't never going to beat your enemy unless you got the Word coming out your mouth. All right? And the last one we talked of last week was that we overcome the enemy through the blood of the Lamb, the Word of our testimony, and loving not ourselves even unto death, which basically brings it down to this. Based on what Christ has done, see, through the blood we've been redeemed, the word of our testimony means we're talking and sharing, we're testifying and witnessing of what he's doing right now and loving not our lives even unto death, which is referring to that you're standing your ground, you're in it to win it, no matter what, until the end. Which means this, how you overcome your enemy, one of the ways, one of those keys is stand on what Christ has done, what he's doing, and what he'll continue to do. You'll be amazed at how fast you'll back that enemy up when you start talking about the blood of Jesus. Start talking about how I'm redeemed. Hallelujah. I'm walking free. He's paid a price for me. Hallelujah. I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. I'm an heir of God. I join in with Christ. Hallelujah. I am a co-laborer with Him. I am moving forward, taking ground, overcoming, conquering. The devil said he left a long time ago. But you're going to have to resist. Now, back to Ephesians. Let's look at something. I really did originally had something else planned for today. And it was just, you know, how it is, one of those things. You start praying and pretty soon the Spirit of God says you need to go back and, and do something. All right. So I'll do that. I mean, he knows more than I do. Look at your neighbor and say, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. I always seem to come up short. So with him, praise God, we can do all things. Ephesians chapter 6, um, as I said earlier, we talked about the 
sword of the spirit, but we didn't talk about the rest of the armor very much. We just kind of touched on it, moved on, mainly because I, the, the sword of the spirit was one of the weapons, and I wanted to really focus on that a little bit last week. So I want to talk about the armor today <clears throat> and, um, and why that's so important and why it's in necessary when it comes time to resisting the enemy. All right? So verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong, be empowered, infused, okay, in the Lord. So we're talking about in his lordship and in, in other words, be strong in the power of his might. The word might, by the way, means the ability to accomplish anything. So he wants you to be strong or be infused or empowered in who he is and in his might, in his ability, okay? Now, that's where it starts. So then it goes, verse 11. So here's how it starts. Put on a couple pieces of armor. Now, do you know that you could just put on a couple pieces? But it, it specifies in the text to put on the whole armor of God. Why? Well, that you may be able to, what? Stand, resist against the wiles of the devil. Methodia is the Greek word. It means the, his plotting and scheming. It literally means a roadway traveled continuously. What it is, the enemy always has the same trick. Tries to get you down a different road, get you moving down a different road, and it always deals with the mental games. Ever say mental games. Now, the authority that the enemy had has been stripped from him. His keys have been taken. Right? But he is a manipulator. The only authority the enemy has in your life is the authority that you give him. That's it. That's it. He has no place in your life unless you give him place. Still with me? So we have armor... Amen. So this, in a sense, is a, another key to resistance is the armor of God. We have armor that we may be able to stand or resist against the wiles of the devil. St. Corinthians brings out, don't be ignorant of his devices, which means head tricks, mind games, mental manipulation. Because that's the only way he can get a place in your life is by mentally, come on, mentally manipulating you into thinking he has a place. Now, listen, if you know it's the devil, you're more apt to deal with him. But if you're manipulating and think it's just the way it is, it's my neighbor. If you had the neighbor I had, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. No, it ain't your neighbor. Your neighbor ain't your problem. Oh, no, no. If you knew my neighbor, you'd know they're my problem. No, your neighbor's not your problem. Oh, well, it's my spouse. That's my problem. No, your spouse has never been your problem. 
Listen, Pastor, if you were married to my spouse, you wouldn't say that. I'm telling you, your spouse is not your problem. It's my employer. That's my problem. No, your employer's never been your problem. No, no, that's my problem, really. No, your employer's not your problem. It's you, pastor. <laughs> You're my problem. Uh, no, I know some would argue with that, but no, I'm not your problem. All right? And you're not my problem. Okay, because some people tell me you're my problem. You go, oh. come on. We could all sit here all day long and find accusations because the enemy will oblige you. Okay, the last one. God is my problem. God has never been your problem. Never been your problem. He doesn't take. Oh, no, it says he, he, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be his name. Well, that sounds spiritual, but they also got rebuked for saying that. So I wouldn't go around saying that because they got rebuked for saying it. One time the boys are all walking the posses, walking with Jesus, and they go through town, and everybody turns their nose up at them. And that just didn't happen very often. You know, people turn their nose up at Jesus. I mean, what kind of, who does that? Well, they did. So they get through town, and the boys are all upset. They're just sitting back here talking. Jesus walking, didn't move by it. And, you know, he wasn't welcome there, so he just kept moving. And they're all upset. Well, man, I'll tell you what, I can't that's the master. That's the, they, don't, they don't treat him like that. That's, that's a bunch of bunk. Yeah, I know, man. Yeah, I agree, Peter. That's right, man. Come on, John. Let's do something. Hey, Jesus, call fire down on that city. Yeah. Wait till we get a ways out, though, first. All right. All right. Go ahead. Nail them. Yeah. We're going to see something new today, ain't we, John? Yeah, we are, Peter. Whew, it's going to be cool. Jesus is standing or staring at him. And they're looking like, come on. He says, you don't even know what spirit you're of. The Son of Man didn't come to destroy life or take life. I came to give life. Come on. One time the boy says, Show us the Father, and, and it's sufficient. He says, <laughs> didn't he? Come on. He stood there. They're looking at him like, yeah. They're like, I don't get it. Listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because the Father don't do anything different than what I'm doing. I didn't come here to bring sickness and disease. I came to bring healing. I didn't come to bring oppression. I came to deliver people from that mess. Come on. I didn't come to take life. I came to give life. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, so the Father, amen, has given us a key to resist, and it's called armor. 
armor's cool. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, have you ever seen Batman? I mean, he's got the coolest. I mean, the guy's got, I mean, you could have a pot belly under there, but the abs on that suit. It just makes you look awesome. Right? And I am sure the armor of God isn't designed with a pot belly. Right? It's, it, it's the armor of God, and I'm sure he has abs. Well, anyway, the whole armor. But it's to stand against the wiles of the devil, the scheming. Okay, verse 12. We've got to read through it. For we do not wrestle against our neighbor, against our employer. Get this, because if we really want to get through this today, this is going to make a whole lot more sense. You don't even wrestle with you. In fact, it's probably more accurate in this text to say it that way. Your fight's not with you. You're re- you, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we do have a war. We do have something we have to resist. Principalities, his powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, all that is is different levels of demonic influence is all it is. But according to Scripture, you have authority over all of it. He said whether things above the earth, things on the earth, or things beneath the earth, they're all subject to the name of Jesus. He said, in my name, go ye. Amen. So they're all subject. So it doesn't matter what level of demonic influence it is, it's all subject to the name of Jesus. Now, that's why he's telling you put on the armor. Because these are the demonic influences that are trying to manipulate you, to get you to just accept low-level living. Come on, somebody. You with me? All right, verse 13. He says it again. Therefore... Take up the whole armor of God. Now, how many know he didn't just say, okay, put all the armor in a box, take it home, put it in your closet, because I'm tired of storing it. I'm trying to make a point. He means put it on, right? Take up the whole armor of God, just in case you didn't get the point that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Whatever evils come your way, whatever the enemy's trying to plot, amen, whatever it is, you have to resist it. And having done all, amen, I always think, Pastor, I've, I've done everything I know to do. Good. Just keep standing. Hallelujah. Keep the armor intact. Come on. Hallelujah. Here we go now. Verse 14. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Rest of our day here, we're going to talk about armor. It starts with the belt of truth. I think there's a reason he started with this. Amen. Now, a lot of times people say, well, it's talking about the word. No, it ain't talking about the word. Well, the word is truth. Absolutely it is. It's always truth. But he's not talking about the armor. Or talking about the word. Because later on he says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word. Come on. 
So the belt here is something different. Okay, the word here means to be true. It speaks of integrity of character, to be genuine, sincere, and real, nothing hidden. So what the armor is there for, now remember, the enemy is coming with a manipulative game to mess with your head. Yes, he is. So, as a child of God, the temptation is to live with facade. Because I don't want anybody to think I'm not spiritual. I mean, I want them to look at me and think I'm something in God, which you are. But sometimes the temptation is to not be real. Sometimes it's different things. It could be based on insecurities, based on uh, self-consciousness about looking at yourself and seeing yourself as less than. It could happen through comp, uh, comparisons. We sit and we, we compare one with another, which the Scripture says is very unwise. But we, we look at somebody else and we think, well, you know, man, look how they are and, and here I am. And so you... Through this manipulation, the enemy convinces you to portray something you're not. You know, hypocrisy is not about making a mistake. Just because somebody makes a mistake doesn't make them a hypocrite. What makes them a hypocrite is when they try to portray they never make mistakes when they're making mistakes. Big difference. Okay, you don't ever want to be caught up in that. Come on, somebody. So the belt of truth is to put that on, amen, so that you would remain real with yourself, real before God and before others. Somebody said, well, ain't nobody's bit. No, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. No, it pays to be real. Well, what if what they see real ain't really a cool thing? They're already seeing it, son. They're already seeing it. And if, if you're not going to get real with yourself, and then you're going along and you're wondering why things ain't working in certain areas of your life, and the whole time you're portraying that everything's perfect and you're this you know, saint and whatever it else you think you are, and the whole time, you know, it isn't functioning and working like it should. The enemy has got in. He's got place everywhere. Why is that? Because it's hard to resist the devil when you're in bed with him. It's hard to resist the devil when you're holding hands with him. It's hard to resist the enemy when you're playing patty cake with him. It's hard to resist the enemy when you're playing the same game. He's the father of lies. He's a manipulator. He's a deceiver. Put on the belt of truth. Somebody says, well, if I put on the belt of truth, they ain't going to like what they see. 
at least we see it, and now we can work with it and deal with it. The idea is put on the belt of truth. Why? Because it's part of your resistance against the enemy. What if they look at me and think, listen, now you're comparing. Listen, does it, you know, I don't think you get into heaven based on what other people think of you. If we do, we're all in trouble. I don't think we get into heaven based on, you know, how well we're accepted with everybody else. There's only one I need to be accepted by. That makes it pretty simple. Cool. Then I just, you know, do what's necessary, amen, to maintain that kind of acceptance. Now, Jesus already paid a price, so I'm already accepted. Praise ye the Lord. But I don't need to try to maneuver and manipulate to get everybody to accept me. Come on. Now, I didn't say go out there and be a fool either. Come on. I don't care what anybody thinks about me, bless God. I'll do it and say what I want. That's the way it is. I'm just telling you. Because now you're gonna, you know, you're gonna now you open up another door and you let the enemy in the other side. They say, well, Pastor, you just ain't making sense. Oh, I'm making great sense. This is probably one of the best sermons you're ever gonna hear. <laughs> Maybe not. But anyway, the idea is to get a hold of it. We have an enemy, and you gotta put on the armor. That's part of your resistance. That's one of the keys to your resistance. And it starts with the belt of truth. Get real. Be sincere. Because the quicker you're sincere, the quicker we can work on things, deal with things, and get the devil out. Are you still with me? Okay, the next one. What is it? Breastplate of righteousness. Covers the vitals. The breastplate. Look at your neighbor and say, put on that breastplate. Why is that so important? Now remember, why are we putting on the whole armor of God? Why are we taking up the whole armor of God? That we might be able to resist in the evil day or withstand, right, uh, or resist the wiles of the enemy, right? Why? Because here it comes. So you got to put on armor because it's there for your resistance. And why is righteousness so key? The word righteousness, okay, many times we've, you know, we've done a many a sermon on it, a many a series on righteousness by itself. So we ain't going to probably do it justice by uh, a little simple deal here. But to the bare bones of it, it means right standing, okay? You are already right now in a place of right standing. The word says that in Him, you're the righteousness of God. Okay, you're already made righteous based on what Christ has done, all right? A lot of times righteousness gets mixed and confused with holiness. Righteousness and holiness are two different things. But if you walk in who you are as the righteousness of God, pretty soon you start burying what the Word says, the fruits of righteousness, which then moves into a thing called holiness. But you're first and foremost the righteousness of God. In other words, this is part of your identity, who you are in Christ. 
The word righteousness many times is also used as justified, justification, righteous or righteousness are all the same Greek word. Okay, it just depends on how it's used. But you are in a place of right standing with God, amen, because of what Christ has done. Now, why is that so important? Well, here comes the wiles of the devil. Here comes the manipulation of the evil day or the day of pressure. What's part of the pressure that comes at you mentally? Condemnation, guilt, shame, inferiority. I got people still been saved for 20 years. Can't get past inferiority. Can't get past condemnation. Still under shame of something they did 20 years ago. Put on the breastplate. You are the righteousness of God. The blood has been shed for your mistake, your sin. Come on. You are no longer your history. You are no longer your past. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are now, praise God, a child of God. Hallelujah. An heir of God. A joint heir with Christ because of what Jesus has done. And here comes the enemy to manipulate, bring up your past, bring up your mistake, bring up that issue, try to face you constantly with this kind of thing to get you to come under it instead of standing your ground saying, wait a minute. I seem to recall Jesus paid a price for me. So, you know when the devil says, you've blown it, you should go, yeah, I did, didn't I? Boy, I was pretty good at that. But I'm forgiven because I asked God to forgive me, and he did. Somebody says, is it that simple? Absolutely. You got some of you that you come out of the prayer room, you spent the whole time repenting over the same thing 22 times in the same prayer meeting. Come on, somebody. Come on. You walk back out of the prayer room still under condemnation because the enemy's manipulated you. I would suggest go back into the prayer room or into your closet, however you want to do it, however you want to say it, and just say, Lord, I know you paid a price for me. The blood was shed for me. I blew it, blew it big. But I ask for your forgiveness. I thank you for the blood, I thank you for your mercy, and I receive that now. In Jesus' name. What just happened? It all fell off. Somebody said, well, now, wait a minute. It ain't that easy. Oh, it absolutely is. And the quicker you understand who you are by putting on the breastplate, the quicker you'll walk free from all that mess. You sitting here trying to earn acceptance and earn God's love through whatever, then you're just telling him that you didn't believe anything he's done for you. Got awful quiet in here. Now, either you believe what Jesus did for you or you don't. So what you got to do is put on the breastplate. Why? Because the enemy is trying to manipulate you and to stay connected to your past or your mistake or your sin or your addiction or whatever else it is. Whew. Well, Pastor, you know, I did that back, well, you know, uh, I think we've all blown it. 
well, you know, I did a big one. Well, I don't really know that there ain't a whole lot of them in there that says that this is, you know, like there's levels. I mean, maybe, maybe you could say the top dog is, you know, maybe, uh, you know, um, blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Maybe. You know, because it's just about, it's about not receiving what he's offering. So one day, you know, by not receiving Christ, by not receiving the pull of the Spirit, and, you know, that would be a big one. But other than that, it just kind of says sin, sin, and, and mistakes are mistakes, and, you know, shortcomings are shortcomings, and, and they just, they just kind of all bleed together, and they just become this blah. They just kind of all kind of fall into the same pot. And that's when you say, I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I receive that. They kick that sucker over and say, enough's enough. So when the enemy comes back at you and tries to bring that up, you've got your breastplate on. You say, uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm the righteousness of God. No, uh, you've really blown. No, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm in right standing with God right now. Listen, the day I got that, I, I can tell you, I can take you to the spot. I was on, sitting on a forklift. I could take it to the place. I was going in the row. I was going to get some product out of the rows, and I went in with that forklift, three high, going up there, and going to hook me a pallet of product, and I'm bringing it back. The guy that went in that row and the guy that came out were two different men. But I'd been meditating on this thing because I heard, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm in right standing with God. I'm a, I mean, either I am or I'm not. I mean, am I? Or, I mean, I, mean I'm, I know my past. I didn't like it. And most of these people I'm around right now know my past. And they don't like it. And they remind me of it time and time again. I got articles in newspapers. <laughs> they bring up. <gasps> You're that kid. Yeah. That's who I was. That man died. I stepped into the phone booth. Put on my new suit. Could have used a different example because all I can see is red underwear. <laughs> anyway, step out of that phone booth, a different man. <sighs> What'd you do, Jerry? I put on the breastplate. Can't get to me now. Not in that area. Come way too late telling me something different about that. So when the mental thoughts come, the manipulation comes to bring you under shame and guilt and condemnation, you say, whoa, 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 breaks, devil. Shut up. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God. That becomes part of your resistance. Are you still with me? Verse 15. Let's do another one. Verse 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We even mentioned that earlier today. Gospel, of course, meaning good news. The word peace means wholeness. It literally means to, um, to bring back as one. It means, it means to bring things into divine order. It means, to, it means a divine order in the place of chaos. That's what the word peace means. Okay? The Hebrew word uh, shalom. The Greek word um, is... Um, See if I can remember it offhand. Um, 
spin on him. Sorry. It's actually like a name of a person is what it sounds like. But anyway, the point is, is they mean the same thing, both Old Covenant and New Covenant. Wholeness, completeness, everything back in divine order. All right? So where we have our feet shod with the preparation of that gospel message of wholeness. So what is he talking about? My feet shod. Well, the word here for shod or to feet being shod um, means to go, to go forth or forward motion. It refers to taking ground or standing your ground. Now, you say, well, why is that kind of, that's kind of like, kind of, well, how does that fit? Well, because the enemy tries to convince you you can't. that you don't have what it takes, that you can't make a difference. Listen, this happens all the time. You know, I'd love to do that, but, man, I'm, I'm just trying to help myself. I can't, I can't even get past my own stuff. And I ain't help nobody. I can't help nobody. You might be amazed if you shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel peace and start moving forward to just help somebody, your something might fall off. It's about sowing and reaping. You have to understand that you are designed to go make a difference. Well, pastor, I, I still got issues. I mean, my issues have issues. I mean, I got all kinds of issues. What do you mean help somebody? You might be amazed that when you reach beyond yourself, stop thinking about yourself, stop being self-consumed about your issue, and begin to reach out and move forward and help somebody in their issue, you might be amazed at how much your issue will diminish. But the enemy wants you stuck in it. He wants you to constantly think, I don't have what it takes, because look at me. I'm in jail helping somebody. No, I'm not talking about now in prison. I mean, I mean, when I got saved, I still ended up in jail multiple times. Somebody says, well, that ain't good. No, it wasn't. It was embarrassing to my family. Everybody around me, but everything in me says, but this guy next to me, he's got even more issues. Hey, you know the Lord? And he's looking at me, you're in jail, dude. Yeah, and I shouldn't be in here. I mean, I'm starting to figure this out. I shouldn't be in here. Not because anybody else did wrong. I did wrong, but I shouldn't be in here. This is not who I am. I am not the guy in jail. Somebody says, mm, yes, you are. See, naturally speaking, they're looking at, and you bet, there's all this yuck in my life and still trying to get past it, still drinking, still doing this, still doing that. Somebody says, well, I thought you said you got saved. Well, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm here now. What do you think? Am I saved? <laughs> I was weak. Somebody said, well, I'm, it, the verdict's still out. I'm still trying to figure out whether you are. You know, get it figured out because you probably should go to a church with a pastor that's saved. It was just real weak, you know. 
Now, how many think maybe it's stuck? Okay. It did stick. I'm still saved. Now, the point is, I wasn't perfect when I, came, when I received Christ, and nowhere in there does it say when you receive Christ, you're instantaneously going to be free from everything because there's still darkness out there, there's still the curse out there, there's still death out there, and the enemy still has a place. He's still finding whatever place he can, and until you shut those doors, he sneaks in again, messes with you again, and keeps taking. And if you let him, he'll convince you that you're going to stay right where you're at. For some odd reason, I wouldn't believe that. So I just says, you know, I mean, we're sitting in we're sitting in jail, listening to Andrew Womack tapes. And he says, the guy in the next bunk's looking at you, going, "What is that? That's Andrew Womack. Who is that? He's a preacher. What are you listening to that for? Because I need it." And so do you. Come here and sit with me. <laughs> Somebody says, well, that's kind of hypocritical, isn't it? No, because I wasn't trying to portray anything. <laughs> what you see is what you got. I'm a guy that got picked up a drunk driving last night. I mean, all you got to do is smell it. He says, Pastor, you probably shouldn't be talking these things in church. Oh, no, I should be. Oh, yeah, this is what we should be talking. Oh, yeah. Because what happens, the enemy then convinces you, or at least strives to convince you and manipulate you into thinking you'll never get past this thing. But he says, listen, part of your armors, shod your feet. Put on the right shoes here, buddy. Put on the right shoes here because you have, you have a job to do. And once you start figuring out you have a job to do, then everywhere you go, you're going to make a difference. Pretty soon, all the yuck starts falling off. It, this wasn't last week, no. Some of you are like, yeah, this is 35, 35, yeah. So, yeah, well, because we've been, yeah, we're heading for 35. Here we go. Come on. Yeah, so it was, it was before I got married. Uh, I didn't. I don't think I went to jail after I got married, right? <laughs> I didn't. I think it was all be happened before. But this little thing, I was saved for a length of time before I got it all squared. Praise the Lord. But I'll tell you what: if I was, if I didn't shod my feet, if I didn't move forward in what I was supposed to do, I'd still be stuck in that rut. I, I probably wouldn't even be alive right now be honest. So look at your neighbor and say, shod your feet, will you? So the point is, every one of us have something we can do. Somebody said, well, I don't know much. Did Jesus save you? Well, yeah. Well, then go tell somebody. What did he do for you? Well, he did a lot of things for me. Well, then go tell somebody. Remember, you overcome them by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and loving not your life even unto death. But what if I tell them, and they look at me and say, yeah, but I happen to know something about you. Say, I know, isn't that terrible? 
Remember what I said before? You know, you listen, you start living God loud, people will help you live for God. Because they'll look at you and go, hey, I thought you said you love Jesus. I thought you said you serve God. And you go, you're right. I can't believe I said that. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Father, thank you for forgiving me of my foul mouth. Thank you, Lord. Now, somebody says, it isn't that easy. No, 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 you don't want it to be that easy. Because you want to do penance. Or you want your spouse or your kid or your ex to do penance. No, it's that easy. We just let the enemy slither in there and manipulate us and cause us to get caught up in it. Next thing you know, we're still going into prayer every other day asking for forgiveness about the same dumb thing. We better move on to the next one. That is a big one, isn't it? What do you think, Trude? Quit while we're quit while we're be ahead or behind. We're ahead. What do you think, sir? They're grabbing it. You think they're grabbing it? That's what the neighbor said. I think I'm getting it. You know, now I don't want you to be half clothed this week. Right? Look at your neighbor. Say, put on the whole armor. Amen. See, there might be a couple pieces I'm not so sure about yet. I don't know about them yet, but put them on anyway, and next week we'll tell you what they're all about. Amen? Amen. Did you get something today? Give the Lord praise. Come on. All right, yeah. Let's stand up. Praise God. Woo! Oh, yeah. We got some good ones coming up next week. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're coming back next week. Praise the Lord. Now, remember, the armor is so that you may be able to resist. So if you don't put on the armor, you may not be able to resist. So we want to do this. This is another key. All right? So these are just things to show you, to help you along how to stand your ground while you're moving forward in this life. Amen. And the key, again, is to walk in the life that we're called to. And the only way that's going to work is if you shut the enemy out. Amen. Not allow him to take anymore. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. We have one God. And we have one enemy. Pretty simple. Amen. Amen. Father, we give praise and glory. We're thankful for your word. Thankful for these principles. Thank you we have authority over the enemy. Thank you, Lord God, that we can resist our enemy steadfast in the faith. Father, I give you praise for the price that was paid that we can do this. Because we're children of the Most High. We're heirs of God. Hallelujah. Join heirs with Christ. We're overcomers, conquerors. 
Father, we give you praise. Hallelujah. For the armor of God. Hallelujah. We give honor and thanks for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you're about to do. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.